0: Do we treasure Jesus enough? Now, if you're not from, if you're not co- from Connection, you don't call Connection your home church, um, or you're just checking us out today, that's not a, that's not a big deal. But I want to I cover this, that when we take this this Touch Someone's Life Gift offering, this isn't for you, okay? Um, you don't, don't feel um, uh, obliged to, to give anything. Um, we, we don't even collect an offering here. We have an offering box in the back. Um, what I will tell you is this. Um, if you're taking that offering... You guys can come ahead and, and, and begin passing those. But as they pass them, I want to explain. We take these popcorn bags and we ask our people in our church for pennies, nickels, dimes, quarters, dollars. And at the end of the service, um, I, will, I will ask for one or two people, depending on how many bags we have. Uh, and I'll give you a slip of paper. And what this does is, they're going to fall off. What this does is, um, it's gonna, you're going to go out to the, our community. You're going to hand somebody literally, literally a bag of money. Okay, with no strings attached, um, and we're just going to tell you we don't even tell it. We don't even tell anybody it's from connection unless they ask. We don't give them a card like, "Hey, our church just gave you some money. Would you like to go there?" Okay, no, we don't do that. Okay, that's silly. Um, and and so so what we do is we, we use this money um, to to benefit uh, people in our in our in our culture. And th- the thing of this is, is there are people that that my wife and I have have tried to help. Um, and I've never taken one of these bags, um, but we have tried to literally give them money, and do you know that there's people in our society that go, no. Listen, if you have a problem with having too much money and you want to give away some, come to me. I, that'd be fine. Okay, we, we can make some concrete out of We can do whatever you want, but listen, there's some people in our in our society and culture that think, whoa, 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 you can't love me like that. And and, and we we really... We really strive to meet people where they are. Um, if you're new with us this morning, uh, yes, I have shorts on. No, I don't have shoes on. Uh, that's okay. Um, I'm on some antibiotics, and I'm really hot always anyway, and it makes me a little bit warm. Uh, so uh, anyway, we're going we're gonna to get with it. And uh, But if you're new to us, you're like, oh, well, he, at least he has an excuse to have shoes on. I don't ever have shoes on. Okay, so just... <laughs> anyway, we're talking, we're in our fourth sermon series um, of where do we go from here. And what we're doing is we're taking... Um, we're taking a look at uh, John. We took a look at John the Baptist, how he prepared the way for Jesus to come. Then we, we a couple weeks ago, we had our dunk party. That's this shirt. Uh, we had a dunk party, um, and uh, we looked at Jesus being baptized. Last week, we looked at Jesus being tempted in the wilderness by Satan, and what we looked at, we learned about that is there's no temptations that are new to us. Um, in 2019, we've, we've done uh, a very not good job at exploring different a- different avenues of life, but we haven't created a new sin. We haven't created new temptation. All of that is... Uh, under what Jesus, and, and we did have a, an argument kind of last week that, well, Jesus didn't have to deal with iPhones and stuff like this, but listen, th- the, the fact of the matter is Jesus was tempted with things that internally and physically and emotionally and spiritually dealt with his wanting to do something. When he was hungry, he was tempted with food, uh, just like we are. Uh, we even talked about last week the number of minutes it would take you if you're having a craving for McDonald's french fries to get over that craving, and the answer is seven minutes. And I didn't test it out this week. I don't know if you guys did or not, but I, I didn't test it out. So, um, But I, pre- I hope that you had a good week. In a crowd like this, in our 11 o'clock service, um, maybe some people are sleeping in this morning. It, it doesn't matter. That's why we have two services. Uh, but, but in a crowd this big, I can't imagine that everybody in here would, on a scale of 1 to 10, would go, Oh, Pastor Matt, my week was a 10. If you do say that, you are either... <laughs> You were either completely unknowledgeable about everything that mostly happened around you this week. Um, you're, maybe you stayed by yourself or you were like on top of a mountain by yourself all week. Um, maybe, the fact of the matter is, having a 10week yeah, they, they exist, but they're not probable. Okay, So so what you did when you came in this morning is, is you literally came into a sanctuary. You're going to sit down and listen to, uh, listen to a guy with shorts on and no shoes talk about God's word. And that connection, by the way, we believe this is the inerrant word of God. We do not take away from it. We don't add to it. But we 100% believe that God gave and inspired this word through the Holy Spirit to men that wrote it down so that we can learn about the, 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 uh, the nature of God. That we can, we can learn the good news as we're going to see this morning Um, and and no matter if your week was good or if your week was bad, God is still good. No matter the week that we had, I posted on Facebook a while ago, and if you're new to us, I'm I'm kind of emotional, I apologize, Uh, but 18 years ago today, and and this is a celebration, 18 years ago today, um, you're going to think this is wild, but this is a celebration day for me. 18 years ago today, um, my grandfather uh, passed away, October 27th, it was a beautiful fall day, I got a call in the afternoon, Mary and I were getting ready to go to one of her sorority, um, I know, your pastor's, your pastor's wife was in a sorority. It's okay, I was the president of my fraternity, so we can, all, we, can, we can all get better, right? So we were getting ready to go to a hayride, and it was a beautiful day, and I remember getting that call from my mom, and she said, your grandpa's had a heart attack and he didn't make it. In 2001 on October 27th my grandfather was 64 years old and he finished roofing his house the day before he died. He had a heart attack in his recliner, gone instantly. At 64 years of old, years 64 years of age he had 44 years of pastoral behind the pulpit ministry. I remember arguing with God very much. I was 21. Lost my grandfather at 64. And I I was very mad at what happened. I was very mad at, hey, this isn't fair. (laughs) But this is a celebration day. This is not. This is a day. 18 years ago, that we that we grieved very much. But today, I look back on that day, and today is the day. 18 years ago, that my that my grandfather got to meet Jesus face to face. So where do you go from where you are? You're here this morning. We're going to talk about some complex stuff. Anybody like coffee? We're going to have to be interactive this morning. Anybody like coffee? Oh yeah! Thank you, Jesus. All right. Now, we have we have two different kinds of coffee out here. I'm not sure, other than by doctor's recommendation, but I just I don't I don't know. I don't, we have it and unleaded out here. Okay, so if you're an unleaded person, we have it. Uh, so we have it. So. But we, we have been looking at some different things about our spiritual journey because we talk about, uh, in the church, capital C Church, I'm not talking about, we, we're a Baptist church, but we don't let that get in our way. Cool? We believe that you have to have a relationship with Jesus Christ because God raised him from the dead after the third day after he gave his life on the cross and bore the burden of our sins and he died and he paid with his blood. We, we believe that religion is not the important thing that gets you to heaven. It's the relationship that you have with Christ that gets you to heaven, so what we, what we look here, and we're looking at this, and I wonder how many times, how have you done this week with your temptations that we talked about last week? Don't talk about that, Matt. I had McDonald's five times. Okay, fine. You did. Uh, if, you're, if you're a person that works out all the time, maybe you can get away with it. I can't. I personally look at McDonald's as I'm driving by, and I have to run when I get home. Okay? I look at a bag of Oreos, and I have to weigh myself. Okay, how much weight did I just gain by looking at a bag of Oreos? So you, we, I don't know if you battled your temptations. Did you see any victory this week? over those things did you not fail or did you did you fail to not give in the cool thing about the gospel the cool thing about God as we talked about last week is we talk to people that say I need to get my life all together and come to God that's the wrong gospel it's in reverse Jesus says you bring me your pieces and I'll put you back together again you're sitting next to in the same room as listening to on the internet. You're listening to a person and, listening and sitting beside people that do not have it all together. We seek to take Jesus to the places that we work. We seek to tell stories as much as we can about how God has moved in our life and how he's grown us spiritually. And we seek to take as many people to heaven with us when we die. And we seek to do that by by planting seeds and cultivating different relationships with people, sharing with them the difference that God has made. But we talk about the Capital C Church and the number one place in the area across denominations, it doesn't matter what church you're at, the big ball was dropped in the last 40 years is the lack of discipleship bringing younger people up into adulthood and teaching them about the Bible and about their relationship with Christ. Because we have a lot of stagnant older people now. Um, And that is not just from my research, that is from national research across the board. So we've dropped the ball, so what do we do? Well, where do we go from here? So we talk about our relationships with Christ and how we're moving. And now we've gotten to the point of, last week we talked about our temptations. This week we're going to look at something that's a little bit different. And this is where a lot of people stop with the whole religion thing. This is where a lot of people have a hard time dealing with stuff. Because here's the deal. There are a lot of churches across the world that say, get saved. Have your relationship with Jesus. The first commandment by Jesus is to get baptized. But once you get saved, it's all good. There could not be a bigger lie than that. Because when you make the decision to follow Christ, I'm going to tell you something right now. It's going to cost you. It's all over the Bible. It's something that we kind of, oh, let's just sweep. You're a good, good father. Yeah, yeah, yes, Jesus, you're good. You're good, you're good, you're good. It costs us to follow Christ. Yeah, I know, Matt. You've already passed the bags once. Next service, you're going to pass them again. It's going to cost us financially. Listen, no, no, no. It costs you time. It costs you, you're sacrificing time with your family to do something else that God wants you to do. You're sacrificing your money. You're giving, if you're giving sacrificially, you're giving, you're giving all kinds of different stuff. Wear and tear on your vehicle to come to our parking lot. Gas. Two weeks ago, we brought food. You guys smoked like 300 chicken wings. I got four. I'm thankful for those four, because most most of them, they're just gone, Uh, so, but no, you, it it was fun. Really, seriously, I need to, we need to order more. Nancy, where's Nancy? We need to order more. Um. (laughs) See, we, I think during that time, like, we have such a big line, maybe we could, like, bring tables in here, and we could do not just both, like, Baptists do, like, both sides of the table. What if we could do multi-site eating? Yeah, it really bump up the game. Okay, and we're going to be in Matthew chapter four. But if you have your worship handout with you, I want you to flip that open to the first page. There's going to be some blanks, and we're going to fill them out. Um, so everybody, so anybody like coffee? Raise your hand. Let it or unleaded? Like the smell of it? Like the, anybody like the smell but don't like the taste? Sugar. i just. <laughs> my wife has tried it with sugar. She's tried it with salt. She tried it with anything and everything. And she's like, she's tried chocolate covered coffee beans. And I'm like, hey, it's chocolate. And she's like. I just can't. So, every co- every, all the coffee I made at our house, I get to drink. <laughs> That's a win-win, okay? So, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 4, we're going to talk about Starbucks in just a second. And I know some of you are going, I hate Starbucks, over coffee. Okay, we're going to get to that. Look at the first blank in your worship handout. What will it cost me to follow Jesus? When people begin their relationship with Christ, and they find out that it's actually not free... And I don't mean financially, but it's not free. There, there's going to be things that come against us when we follow Christ. There's going to be things that it costs us. Let me tell you something that's cost me. It's cost me about 65 or 70%, I would say, of my friends that I used to hang out with. It cost me about 60 hours a week. It cost me relationships with people. It costs me all different kinds of things. It costs us. And whenever we feel that, oh, it costs us, if I just follow Jesus this close, it doesn't cost me that much. The problem is, if we could look with spiritual glasses, there's a lot of people that are standing over here. They haven't moved. They haven't moved because they said, no, 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 it'll cost me. This is where a lot of people jump off the bus as far as Jesus goes. Because, I talk about this all the time, please don't, if you're new to us, please, you can go back and archive sermons and listen. I'm not downplaying, I'm not downplaying the, the I'm, not, I'm not downplaying and making fun of Americans. I'm just, I'm, I wanna show you something. We live in a country where it's free to worship. But American Christianity, compared to the world, we are spoiled, This, I'm touching it very lightly, this is a very nice instrument. And these are nice instruments. And, and we have Bose sound systems. If this whole place flooded, there was no carpet, and it smelled like rotten squirrels, would you come in here and listen to the word of God? See, that's the problem. Because, no, no, I'm gonna go down the street. Okay. When we come to a place where, where this is enough, then you will see revival like that guy talked about. We, the Old Testament says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, I will bless their country. <sighs> Americans do not do a good job of humbling anything. So and so's got a bigger house than us. Did you see the new car they're driving this morning? If you bought a new car this week, I'm not talking to you. If you bought a new house this week, I'm not talking to you. But what will it cost now? To my Starbucks people, anybody like Starbucks? You, anybody like Starbucks? Okay, we have we have. See, this is a very this is a very trendy thing. Okay, at, at the count of three, I want you to tell me like verbally, out loud, your favorite drink, all at the same time. Ready? On, your, on the count of three, you're going to tell me your favorite Starbucks drink. One, two, three. Uh, oh, see, I have no idea what anybody said other than Java Chip. Okay java chip okay all right i got really curious there's a book called starbucks christianity written by a guy named uh, greg steer and it's a very short book but it talks about the american view of christianity at Starbucks, there's, I don't know how many, you can Google it, not now I'm preaching, uh, later, how many options there are to do, to order a different combination of of something at Starbucks. But I got online and I found one of the most difficult and intricate orders you could ever get. Now, some of you are like, oh, I would like a half skinny latte with soy milk and uh, this and this, and about as adventurous as I get is, I would like a venti, it's always venti, I don't even know there's another size, it's big, Okay. I get, I get Pike Place or I get Blonde Roast. And sometimes if I go crazy, I get a pour over. Okay, and I'm done ordering. Okay? Now, some of you are like, oh, I would like this. Vanilla bean. And the barista's like, okay, okay, okay. It's like it's, it's a different language. Okay? I just get the coffee because I like it. Sometimes I get tea. Okay, now. So I got, I got on Google and I typed in. One of the, what what are one of the longest orders a person can make at Starbucks? I'll read it to you. If you are, if you are a person that comes into Starbucks and orders this, more power to you. I could probably memorize the entire book of Philippians before I could remember this order. Okay, now listen to this. This is awesome. (laughs) A quad long shot grande in a venti cup half-calf, double-cup, no-sleeve, salted caramel mocha latte with two pumps of vanilla, two pumps of classic, two pumps of hazelnut, substitute two pumps of the white chocolate mocha for just mocha. That's an order. That's real. That's real. Now, it gets me to the point. This is, this is funny. And, and, and we all like our own stuff. I, I believe that all food deserves a dipping sauce. Some of you don't believe that, and you're wrong. I'm just kidding, okay? But some, some, we like different stuff. If I told you one of my favorite snacks, because I can't do ice cream anymore, it's sad. It's Pray for me. It's sad. So, so I, I would say, I man, I, I really love orange sherbet. And some of you are like, oh, yeah, yeah, orange sherbet's good. Now I'm going to take it to a, a couple different levels, and you're gonna, I'm going to lose you, probably. Because I like double extra crunchy Jif peanut butter, because that's the peanut butter I think God's going to serve in heaven. Okay, extra crunchy and jiff. Okay, but I put extra crunchy peanut butter on sherbet, and some people you are like, "Okay, I'm with you, I'm with you, I'm with you." Because when you when you mix it in or you have it there, the, the peanut butter gets cold. Now I'm really going to lose some of you. You could take Nestle's Quick or Hershey's and put it on top of it. It makes it perfect. Now, <laughs> see. <laughs> it's perfect. Now, this is this is where it gets said, and I'm talking spiritually here. We. How if we had an ice cream sundae bar up here? Don't get any ideas. Some of you you would come up and and people would get different toppings. We go to Starbucks. All of us could go into Starbucks, whether you like coffee or not. It doesn't matter. They have cake pops, people. Booyah! Their lemon bread. I need I need to talk. I need need to ask God about the menu in heaven because He could include that too. Okay, so. We would go in and we would get all this different stuff. And the problem with Americanized Christianity is we we go to places like this and we order so specialized stuff that we do the same thing with God. God, I want to follow you up until this point. We almost put a budget on the cost that it's going to cost us to God. God, I'm in. I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of you. But if it gets past 100 bucks, I'm out if it costs me a relationship with this person because I love them and I love them and they're probably really bad for you, but if it costs me those people, I don't want to do it because I want to stay comfortable. Not one time in the scripture does Jesus look at his disciples and go, James and John, you guys are going to be so comfy. (laughs) We remember the discussion that James and John's mother had, correct? The sons of thunder Mom comes running up, oh Jesus, please put my disciples on each side of you in heaven so they can be recognized for eternity. Jesus looks at them and asks a question. He says, are you willing to drink the cup that I'm going to? This is what they had the audacity to say, and we can't really get on them because we do the same thing without understanding. And they said, yes, we can. Mm -hmm. And he goes, you have no idea what I'm going to suffer, but surely you will drink the cup of wrath as well. And we read about the martyrdom of the disciples and how they were killed for their faith. We don't understand what it will cost us until it starts, until it starts costing us. <laughs> a quad long shot grande and a Vintage cup. That's just the first line. If you look at this, they have to get a bigger cup They order a smaller drink in a bigger cup because they add so much to it. We find this order incredibly complex and quite funny. But in the Gospel of John, we see the writer say the exact opposite of what we exactly want. It was the exact opposite of that. And he said, no, 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 no. No, in my life, I should become less and less so that God can become greater and greater. I don't mean to be a downer, but that's exactly the opposite of the American idea. I want to get more and more and more. I have to get more and more. I grew up as a as a kid playing baseball. One of my favorite things to do was collect baseball cards. You know what somebody that collects baseball cards likes to do? Get more. I have complete boxes that have never been uncased and unwrapped and I've I've just I have lots. Like Lots. I probably have between 30 and 40,000. I told you I had a problem. Okay. <laughs> now, one of my favorite things to do was when I got a, 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 wax, a wax pack, what they call them, wax pack of tops baseball cards. Anybody know what I'm talking about? They have the pink gum with the white dust on them. I'm pretty sure I could go to 1987 pack of cards that I still have that's unopened. I could undo it. I could probably still eat the gum. I mean, it's eternal, I think. I think we have to deal with this. And I think so. I don't know. But it would, it would, it would cost me. Now, I remember, I remember what, they would, what the packs of cards would cost me. And, and people that are a little bit older than me that collected cards, they were, they were cheaper then. But if you want to get your mind blown, walk down the aisle at Walmart and check out how much a package of cards are now. Holy smoke. And we think, oh, my goodness. And I walk down the aisle and go, man, I'm glad I don't collect baseball cards because this would cost me too much. And we do the same thing when we're walking in our spiritual life with Jesus. No, 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 no. <clears throat> this will cost me too much. They, the people at work will find that I'm weird if I act this way, God, and I can't be all for you. I'm cool with Crowder because most people like Crowder. But man, we get into the, we get into, ah, man, I don't know, oh, man. Don't know. And we have our preferences and we have different things. And God says, I want you to live for me. And we say, no, it's going to cost. Too much. But look at Matthew. No, I'm sorry. Look at the next blank in your worship handout. I got ahead of myself. Are you willing to be uncomfortable in this life to be comfortable in the next? Now, this is a problem. This is a problem in, in, across the world and especially in America because when people say, are you willing to be uncomfortable in this life? No. I tried, and some of you are going to say right now that you're either warm, you're, you're, you're okay, or you're cold. And I try to make you comfortable. I do. This morning, I turned the heat on so that I could turn the air on. I'm not joking. I came here early to turn, do you see? Do you see how comfortable we are? I'm sorry, Matt, but... Um, we were two minutes over you know there's places that i have physically seen in africa where people have walked for more than five miles without shoes so that they could hear someone proclaim the gospel of jesus christ quite frankly we would come in in a bad attitude if the heater in our car was broken and we talked about this before. If you own a car, if you drove here in a car, if you have more than one, it takes you to another level. But if you own a vehicle in this world globally, you're top of the top five wealthiest percentage points of people that exist on earth. If you have running water, you're more, you're more wealthier than 75% of the world's population. But it's not enough for us because when you start getting something and then, ooh, I want some more, I want some more, some more, some more, some more, some more. We, we don't have a good time being uncomfortable. Being hot or cold is one thing, but we're talking about spiritual stuff. When God calls us to something and we're uncomfortable, uh, be very. I'll be very. I'm, I'm as open as I can. Last week I was preaching this sermon and I could barely walk, and I was in a lot of pain. And throughout this week, the doctors, thank God, with their with their the brains that God has given them and medicine and and all kinds of different things th- through some extraordinary pain they helped me feel better and i'm walking now i'm walking very well i may go test out the deer population this afternoon i don't know okay but i'm 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 physically feeling well but i can tell you right now i don't know the last time that you have physically been put on your back but it's not fun i'm 39 years old I'm a former college baseball player that was drafted to play in the major leagues. I want to go and do something. And all I could do was two things. I could lay on the couch, and I could cry. And I'm not joking. I was in that much physical pain. And my wife would come to me. She goes, is there anything I can do? I said, pray that Jesus comes back. That's the only thing. And that's funny now. But it was the only thing. And through that, I, I begin to ask questions that earlier in my life I would have never asked because I was, I still am, but I was a very spoiled kid. Not that my mom and dad had a lot of money; I was just a spoiled kid because I grew up here in America. And I begin to ask God, God, what do you, what can I learn from this? What can I learn? And He begin to bring people into my mind that I begin to pray for. Mary and the girls would come into the living room. and They go, "Dad, are you talking to us?" I'm like, "No, I'm just praying." By the way, it's not a bad thing for your family to find you praying. More people should be found praying. And I begin to, these people, I, I, had, I had temporary pain. Temporary pain that would go away. God began to bring people into my mind that had, quote unquote, thorns in their flesh that they will never be rid of this side of heaven. And I begin to lift them up in prayer. I begin to realize how small and how, how little I was. And God says, you're uncomfortable now, aren't you? I'm not saying that God just cursed me like Old Testament Job and he allowed Satan to do all this stuff to me. But I'm telling you right now, I do believe that God had a plan for this. And I had people, I had people that said they would pray for me and what God was doing is he was strengthening their prayer life by praying for me while I was uncomfortable. It was a win-win for God. And I give him 100,000% of the glory that I can walk right now. Look at Matthew 4. We should be out of here at least before three today. I don't know. Um, I'm just kidding. Verse 18, look at this. One day as Jesus was walking along the shores of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, throwing a net into the water for they fished for a living. How many people like to fish? How many people like flathead catfish? How many people like flathead catfish or any fish that you baptize in Greece? Amen. That's my second favorite baptism, full immersion, Baptist style, Okay. I like to baptize people, but I love baptizing. Shane told me he had fresh crappie last night, and I'm like, man, I don't like fresh crappie. That's a lie. Okay, that's sarcasm, okay? Um, But I I love fish. I love fish. I want to go back and make a point. Listen to this. The problem with uncomfortableness and comfortableness is we let our pride get in the way. We cannot... We cannot achieve anything for God's kingdom if we let our pride get in the way of our orders. We, we, have, we recently have had two young men that, that have went through uh, a Marine boot camp and graduated, and they're now United States Marines, and that's awesome. I come from a military family. That's really, really cool, and I'm thankful for their service, but I'm telling you right now, if they did not follow orders, they would have never made it to graduation day, ever, ever. Okay? You have to follow orders. And we, we do that through the military, and we do that with maybe our mom and dad after the second or third or thousandth time that you're told. You finally do it. But sometimes when God says, you know, God, there's not really any, what are you going to come down and spank my bottom? Are you going to do that? Don't say that to God. <laughs> he spoke the Grand Canyon. He can probably make a paddle. Just saying. Okay? So what we do is we let our, we let our pride get in the way. And we have to remember that we, we don't have a mind of, of God. There were people during the crusade times in Europe that literally said they would run people through with a sword and say, if God wills it, you'll live. What kind of insanity is running a sword through someone and go, if God wills it, you'll live? What? That's not God's plan. And some of you right now are flashing back to Monty Python and maybe I'll watch that movie this afternoon, but... But we have to remember that, that if God wills that you will live, that, that's, that's crazy. We're, we've been given, we've given a book of instruction, and, and right here we find Jesus. And he's walking along the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee, if you didn't know, was surrounded by fishing communities. These people fished one day so they could eat the next. We talk about this all the time, but what if the only thing that existed in your life tomorrow was what you thank God for today? It really helps boost our. It really helps boost our our prayer life and our, our thanking God for small things. That's why I love praying with my girls. I love if you want to show, be shown how. Excuse me, how awesome God is, and to be reminded of of how to pray for small things. Just pray with a kid. Just pray with a child. Lydia is my youngest. She's eight years old, and not too long ago, she literally we were praying every night before she goes to bed, and I said, "Well, what would you, what would you like to thank God for today?" And it's the usual. Bella, her stuffed llama. She has a cat sleeping mask. She likes to thank God for that. But the other night, she got real serious. And she goes, I just want to tell the God, thank you for my shoes. Now my daughter is laying in this bed. And I'm thanking God while she's praying how proud of her I am. And then as I walk out of her room, I ask God to help me pray like that. See... Jesus is walking around these fishing communities, and there's people working all over the place. 25 to 30 fishing communities around the Sea of Galilee. Jesus walks. He finds Simon, Peter, and Andrew. The cool thing is, if you look in if you look in scripture, it was Andrew. They, they knew Jesus already. Okay? They had met him already. It was Andrew that brought his brother to Jesus. They were followers. They knew. Okay, they knew that the Messiah was coming. So they caught they caught fish, they sold them. They had probably only done this work their entire life. This is probably it. Probably it. So look at verse 19 and 20. Jesus called out to them, come follow me and I will show you how to fish for people. (laughs) Now think about this. I went by a kid the other day and he was learning how to cast, anybody, any fishermen in here? Okay, some of your open face, some of your Zebco 33 bait casters, some of your fly fishermen. Okay, this kid was learning how, he was probably 12 or 13, he was learning how to throw a bait casting reel. okay. The word "bird nest" probably came up about seventeen thousand times if you know what that is with this kid, okay, so he was learning how to cast this okay, but this kid it was, it was he was over in Blueford, and I was just driving through town and he 's out there he's and he's cat and of course the the weight's going like five feet he's he was scared to really get on one because if you really get it that those ball bearings spin faster, you lose more line, bigger the chance of a bird's nest and he was I mean, he was concentrating. I slowed down. I went, to a, I went to one of Emma's basketball games, and I slowed down. And his dad just saw me, and he just said, he's just smiling. And this kid's, and I said, I go, have you caught anything? He's casting in his yard. I said, have you caught anything? Without batting an eyelash, this kid's probably 12 or 13, he goes, grass carp. The table's turned on me pretty quick. See, so, you think some of you are going to get three o'clock, oh, crass car, oh, yeah, okay, all right. <laughs> uh, we, I'm, I'm so glad that God gave us laughter, aren't you? So glad that, that there are times in our life that we go through that we don't even think laughter exists yet. Laughter has been quoted to be the best medicine. So Jesus calls in verse 19, he says, come follow me and I will show you how to fish for people. I got schooled by that kid. He said he was catching grass carp, but can you can you imagine how to? I, I, this is how my brain works. I'm reading scripture and I went, huh? I wonder how you would catch people. I would be I would be a dumb fish. Okay, you'd be easy to catch. If you if you put a Reese's peanut butter cup on anything, I'd be like, catch me. Okay, <laughs> like I'm done. <laughs> How to fish for people, this is a really cool thing because one of the things it 's really, it's really cool it 's a really good awesome god thing that, that today is the day that my grandpa passed away because of the things that he taught me. He taught me how to fish for people because he fished for me, and he showed us and we, and we 're going to hopefully show you through through this offering that we 're going to give away. How to fish for people. Listen, I don't, I don't care if those people go to a different church. I don't care if they've been saved for 70 years. I don't care if they've never heard the name of Jesus. What we're doing is we're trying to fish for people. Just, I, let a, I let a person know this morning. I walked up to them and I, I said this. I don't know what you've been going on this week. I just want to tell you something. We at this church think that you're exceptionally special and you are loved. Do you know what happened? They cried. Do you know why they cried? Because that's not a compliment that the world gives didn't do it to be make make that person emotional i did it because i love them and then they said this now I'm a, I'm a physical touch guy and very appropriately they said can i give you a hug it's a natural reaction to show to show love okay so jesus calls as he says come follow me and i will show you how to fish for people that's how you fish for people you create relationships verse 20 and they left their they left their nets at once and followed him now There's probably one thing that hasn't changed from biblical times to now. Fishing equipment is still expensive. <laughs> it probably hasn't changed much. Okay, they had to take care of their nets every day. Now, they had to mend these nets. These nets were important because it was their livelihood. They caught fish to sell them so they could eat. Okay, They left their nets. In John 1, Jesus spoke to these men. Um, it was Peter and Andrew. Andrew was the one that brought Peter to Jesus. Now there are people that would read this scripture and they would, they, would, they would say this. Well, before they left, they should have put their nets up. Now, I get it, okay? If one of my girls gets one of my tools, I say, please put it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my grandpa was so OCD about tools that he had, he, he had a line of wrenches and he outlined them in marker. He, it would take him 0.7 seconds to completely do an inventory of his shop. And he would look at me and go, Matthew, I walked in the shop for 0.7 seconds and realized there's a 916th Craftsman open-ended box wrench that you do not have back in its exact place. I said, I took it back. I put it on the hanger. He goes, yeah, but it's the other way. <laughs> Welcome to my world. Then there's people that say, oh, these guys are just, this is what the world says. Oh, you're just going and following Jesus, throwing everything to the wind, doing whatever you want. They think these people were being irresponsible. Don't read scripture for the words, contextualize it. They were completely, totally following what God wanted In verse 20, they left their nets at once and followed him. Oh, good for them. Follow Jesus. How about this? I'm coming into your work tomorrow. I'm going to come, tap you on the shoulder. Hey, time to go. Just get up and walk out. Leave all of your 401K, all of your 25 years of experience, all of your retirement, all of everything, and just walk out and say, oh, I'm going to go follow Jesus. See you. This was nothing short of an amazing miracle. He calls two men. They say, okay. Okay so, okay, all right, once, good trick, Jesus, look at verse 21, a little farther up the shore, see, Jesus is just shopping for dudes now, he's going around the fishing villages, he's like, all right, well, a little farther up the shore, he saw two other brothers, James and John, sons of thunder, they made a lot of noise, Got in a lot of trouble for opening their mouth, too, now, look, they were sitting in a boat with their father, Zebedee, if you're looking for a new name for a new son, a new grandson, baby boy, Zebedee. It's almost as good as deck, but Zebedee, we call it Zeb. Man, awesome. I played baseball against a kid his name, his name was not Zebedee. His actual name was Zeb, Z-E-B, um, and his last name was Marcotte. I played baseball against him. Every time I read the word Zebedee, I remember him. Sitting about with their father, Zebedee, repairing their nets. See, it's a daily chore. Now, these two dudes are with their dad. Family business. When I married my wife in 2003 we lived in Fayette, Missouri for a year. God called us to Illinois. I can't tell you how scared I was to go talk to my father-in-law. I can take my father-in-law and probably put him over my head. I'm not scared of him like that. He's not a bigger guy than I am. But here's the the deal. Mary was the first person in three generations of her family living in that town to leave that town. Welcome to my world. I said, well, we're going to go to Illinois and work in a church and do what God's called us to do. Now, my father-in-law loves Jesus. He understood this. But he just didn't understand why we couldn't do it in Fayette. Well, you don't, you, don't, you don't need to leave. I said, God's calling us here. I said, and it's very difficult. I can't, uh, we can't not go. And I, un- I, understand this a, I understand this a little bit because I saw, I saw this, uh, how when people, when people move and different things like this. So Zebedee's sitting there, and he said, he call, and he had called them to come too. Verse 22, these two brothers are sitting with their dad in the boat, in the boat, in the family business. They immediately followed him, leaving their boat and father behind. Are you kidding me? How about this? I come from a hunting and fishing family, okay? So my dad likes to catch catfish. Okay, catfish can be a little bit of a pain. We do it pretty quick with an electric knife and different things, but they can be, to trim it and everything, it takes a little bit of time. How about this? Everybody likes to catch the fish, and everybody likes to eat the fish. How about we go out, me and my dad and my sister or whatever, and we catch 100 catfish. It take you a long time to clean this many fish. And we're sitting there and all of a sudden Jesus walks by and goes, hey guys, I need you to follow me. And we just get up, leave the electric knives and all the work to my dad. I promise that he's not silent. He will not be silent about this. You want to see how well these, these men were raised up to follow God? It doesn't record in scripture at all that Zebedee said a word. He trusted who came and talked to them. He knew. They knew him. I can't imagine. Can you imagine? Uh, see you, Dad. Zebedee. <laughs> mm, mm, Jesus. is His nets. Listen, when God calls, you have to answer. And that's when the problem can occur. There have been many of us that have been called to get out of the boat just like those two guys, and we're still sitting there with our dad because it's comfortable. Look at the next blank on your worship handout. God uses the people who answer his call. The famous Billy Graham. I've talked to you about this many times, but it, it, it's, so, it's so perfect. God uses the people who answer his call. Billy Graham's one of the biggest and greatest evangelists of probably this generation and last generation and will be for a long time. I, I had the privilege whenever I was 20 years old to hear him preach at his last crusade in St. Louis, and I was mesmerized by his words. He preached for seven minutes. And some of you are like, "Hey, you need to be more like Billy Graham." Well, too too bad. <laughs> so, so I heard him. He was also eighty five. So <laughs> something like that. So I, I heard he wasn't that old, but I, I heard him preaching. And I read some of his books, and he's, he's often asked this question. It says, why do you think God has allowed you, this simple southern farm boy, to, be, uh, to go across the globe, preach the gospel to millions, and literally lead millions of people to Christ? And his response is simple and so complex. He said, I'm probably not the first person that God asked to do that. I was the first one that said yes. You think about that the fact of the matter that we think God needs us to accomplish anything is insanity. The fact that God wants to ask us and wants to give us an opportunity to be involved with his kingdom is crazy. Because I know me. And I know the battles that I fought. And, I, and you know the battles that you fought. God uses the people that answer the call. Verse 23 of Matthew chapter 4. Look at this, Jesus. Continue to travel the region of Galilee, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. (laughs) If you underline in your Bible, look at this. What did Jesus preach? Two words capitalized. He preached the good news, he's preaching the gospel. The Messiah has come. The Messiah is going to lay down his life. The Messiah is going to die for sin. So that everything you know about the old law is, not going, is going to be fulfilled and, 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 and taken to its finality. But the new covenant is going to happen. And this new covenant involves the good news and the gospel. And it's about me. And he goes on and further. He says, and healed every every kind of disease and illness. I, I was healed of, of, an, of an illness or, or something this week, and I was healed of that specific thing and during this week there's been, there have been people that have that have gotten over being sick. Jesus is meeting these people, touching them or just speaking about them to them. Get, those people just get around him, and he 's healing everything. He does that to show who the good news is about him and why it's important. He is the son of God, and he's showing them the miraculous things. The problem is, God can show you a billion times how good he is, and you still have to answer the phone. You still have to go. If you you sat down and wrote, how many times God has healed you, or got you better from something in your life, through a person, through whatever, and he's gotten you through. You currently hold your own world record. You've personally got through 100% of any bad day you've ever had. 100%, you're perfect. You're perfect in that category. You sit down and think about how many times God has done that for you. And if Jesus is healing every kind of all, from anyone, Gentiles, Jewish people, people that were mad, upset, sick, healed people that were dead, it doesn't get really more final than dead, okay? It doesn't. I mean, it's kind of final for us, and we see multiple times in the Bible of, of not only Jesus but his disciples raising people that had passed away. It's the power. I read this weekend. I love this. The Old Testament, where, where they buried, where they buried uh, Elisha. They buried Elisha, and 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 later on, um, the Elisha's body had deteriorated to bones, and they threw other people in that had died and. The power of God was so powerful in, in Elisha's body, through in his bones, that it caused the people that were dead to, to physically walk out of the tomb. You think I'm making this up? Read the Old Testament, please. It's amazing. Okay, that's the power of God. He healed all these things. Look at verse 24. News about him spread as far as Syria. Yeah. Yeah, it would. It would, it would spread really fast. It would spread faster today. Listen. If I, had, if, if I was born without a leg and all of a sudden Jesus walked in and he touched my body and I grew a leg and it was perfect and I shared on Facebook, do you know how many people globally would know within an hour? Millions. It's, yeah, it spread to Syria. Back in that day, that was a long way and people soon began, look at this, they began bringing to him all who were sick and whatever their sickness or disease or if they were demon possessed or epileptic or paralyzed, he healed them all. Verse twenty-five, large crowds followed him. Yeah, shocker. How about this? Somebody's like, man, I want to be that popular. Win the lottery. You're going to have relatives you never knew of. You have to play the water lottery to win, so I'll never play it. But or I'll never win it. But large crowds followed him. Yes. Yeah. Why wouldn't you? You're you born with a with a with a with a disfigured hand. And if somebody in here said, Hey, I was at Walmart yesterday. Saw this guy named Jesus. And he the dude who was blind. He was healing all kinds of people. You need, you need to take your hand to Jesus. How fast do you think I would get there? I would get there as fast as I can. We have, if you are a follower of Christ, you have the spirit of God inside you. I don't make it a practice to go to Oakwood Cemetery and just put my hands on tombstones and watch people pop out of the earth. I don't do that. I'm not called to do that. I'm not called to do that, but what I am called to do is lead a group of people that can find out about this place that I told you last week this is not. This is not somebody a living room in a house. This is a hospital. <laughs> this is a hospital, and some of us have been patients for a long time and will be patients until we die. But this is a hospital to help people to build them back up and to strengthen them. Large crowds come and follow Jesus. People from Galilee, the Ten Towns, Jerusalem, all over Judea, and from the east of the Jordan River. Would you cross a river? Now, I love to fish in the river, but I graduated high school in Louisiana, Missouri, which is just south of Hannibal, and about an hour and a half north of St. Louis, right on Route 79, right on the River Road. In Louisiana, Missouri, by the Mississippi River, I lived on South Carolina Street, mail was a problem, okay, a lot of states. It's three, the Mississippi River right there is three-quarters of a mile wide, there's a reason that it's called a big river. Okay? It's big. I wonder if you were on the Missouri side, and Jesus was on the Illinois side, and that water was in, in between you, and you know that you knew that he could help you, I wonder if you would brave it. Let's make this a little more interesting. What if it was your child? I promise on everything holy, if it was my kid and I knew that there was hope right there, I would do anything that I possibly could to get to the other side of that river and get Jesus. The problem is Americans won't cross a ditch that's flooded. They won't take a step. Oh, yeah. You, we, there's over 100, 100 churches in this county. And all we're doing today, we, we collected an offering we can give back. We're not, we don't want to step over a ditch. We want to do anything that we... Po- listen, we say some really wild stuff here, but it's true if you sit down and listen. We will do anything short of sinning to, live, to lead somebody to Christ. I'm saying that again. We're willing to do anything short of sinning to lead someone to Christ. We gave away hamburgers in the park. We've given away quarters at the laundromat to talk about Jesus. We've given away gas. We've given away money. We, it's not about us. It's about the kingdom. It's bigger than us. These people, most of them coming, were not Jewish people. They were Gentiles. You tell somebody that they have access to God that has never had access to God, they're coming. They're coming. Look at the last blank in your worship handout. Are you willing to follow wherever he leads you? Man, I knew, man, I knew you were going here, dadgummit. I don't want to follow Jesus where he goes. I get it. Awesome. Are you willing to follow Jesus wherever he leads you? some of you answer this question like this, as long as it's tropical. I talked to a lady this week. I said, hey, let's dream big. Let's start Connection Hawaii. I would have no problem getting you to go on a mission trip to Hawaii. Zero. The whole church would sign up. Hey, can I bring a friend? No. (laughs) It would be easy. I'll follow you, Jesus, all the way to Jamaica. Amen. I joke with him, but I talk with him on a regular basis. A drummer, a drummer, that used to drum here and got called. He got, he got interviewed for a job, and he, his job, people, his job, he makes a living helping people that have heart attacks get healthy again. That's his job in Hawaii. <laughs> he asked me one time when he was talking about it, he goes, Pastor Matt, do you think I should take this? I said, Anthony. you hate snow. He hated cold weather. I said, I know of zero people on this earth that God has said, here's a job in Hawaii. He teaches people how to surf, and he gets paid for it. And I call him, I say, how you doing? You know what, I shouldn't even ask that question. Oh, it's 82 again today. Really? the fruit's really good. Suffering for Jesus, isn't he? You should tell that to my sister who was a missionary in Lake Tahoe for three years. We told her she was suffering for Jesus on the slopes. Yeah. But she really was. But a lot of us, a lot of us put ramifications on God and we say, you know what? I'll follow you as long as I'm comfortable wherever you're leading me. But when it comes to costing something, someone like Adoniram Judson back in the 1800s when he went to, he went to Burma and he, he translated the Bible into Burmese, the Burmese language and spent three years in prison. And hundreds of thousands of people were affected by the gospel. And he lost three wives. When it starts costing us something, we get pretty chicken. So I wonder what God's dealing with you about. I wonder, I wonder if you have that one person that God says, I want you to share the gospel with them this week. I want you to show them who Jesus is to you. I want, to, I want you to show them by your words and I want you to show them by your actions. I want, you, I want them to see Jesus in you because Christians means little Christs. I want you to show people wherever I send you. Means in Jefferson County, if you live here, if you're moving to a different state, if you're moving to a different town, if you have that one person, I'm going to close this in prayer. If you have that one person on your mind right now, that I mean, I need really need to talk to them, but I need really need to tell them that I that I that I love them and, and encourage them, or maybe they don't know Jesus, and I need to be praying for them. You have that one person. I want you to pray for those people as I as I dismiss us in a second. But following Jesus is not comfortable on this earth. If it's comfortable, there's a problem. Are you willing to follow him no matter what the cost? We have the bags, the popcorn bags. We have two bags. Are there two people in here that want to hand out this money this week? <laughs> oh thank you one hundred and fifty eight dollars and sixty two cents there's seventy nine dollars and some change in each bag. Who would like to give these out this week Mm -hmm. There's one. One more. Come on. There you go. you imagine what this world would look like if adults walked around, ran up and down the aisles, and had the joy of Jesus in their life like that? look different. You have that one person on your, on your mind. I just want you to pray for them. I'll pray for us and we'll be dismissed. God, we love you. We're so thankful for the gospel of Jesus. So thankful that he, he came to this earth and lived a perfect life and was our example. God, we, as we pray right now, we pray for those people in our lives specifically by name, they're getting prayed for all over our sanctuary and maybe online and people that are listening. God, we just ask that you that you give us the strength and the power to talk for us to talk with those people, God for us to reach out to those people. God, I pray right now. I pray one day he listens God. I lift up John McCarroll to you. God save him. Send somebody into his life to share the gospel. Help him be receptive. God, it's not comfortable for us to talk about you all the time. It's not comfortable to go to the places that you want us to go. But God, it's not up to us. May we be obedient and follow you. God, we pray that among anything that we pray this week, that we be obedient to you and where you send us. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.